There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. The Yankees have swept the Twins. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be-award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. Edition number 191 of the soon-to-be-award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Edition number 190 available in this feed dropped yesterday with Darren Doogie Wolfson from KSTP Channel 5 and Score North here in the Twin Cities. This is the Minnesota Golden Gophers football review and preview edition with Daniel House from GophersGuru.com. He is on the X machine at Daniel House MN. Gophers and Illinois set for 2.30 p.m. this upcoming Saturday at Huntington Bank Stadium. Per the ESPN machine, your Golden Gophers are a one in a half-point favorite over the fighting Illini of Illinois. Daniel, my guy, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, ready for the home stretch of the Big Ten West race beginning in November. It all changes, man. It's, it's time to see who is going to take this thing in a weird year. If you throw out the COVID year, I believe and this is a credit to the head coach and where the program's at. I believe this is the fourth season in a row. The Gophers have went into November with a chance at the big 10 West title in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can ask for is is being in the mix. I mean, Minnesota, I will say over the course of every season under Fleck, the one thing you do, you can say is the team has improved. They have made strides in a lot of different areas and you know, maybe there's some bumps in the road occasionally, but to be in the mix when November football begins, hey, it, it's always fun. Part of that improvement that I think allows the team to improve is the almost always consistent running game this past mm-hmm. week against Michigan State. The consistency in the run game came from a new Ben and not the one most might be thinking of. Newbin got a great block. Newbin, end zone, touchdown Gophers. First career touchdown for Jordan Newbin. Jordan Newbin rushes for over 200 yards and scores two tutties, as the kids like to say. I really do not like that word. I don't even know why I chose to use it right there. But you know what? I don't really know what more you can say other than you're just Happy for the kid. A a, a true grinding performance, Daniel. I don't think anybody, including probably himself, would say there's a lot of breakaway or separation speed, but Mm -hmm. he's a good power runner. He falls forward. He finds the creases. And you know what? If he's getting two, three, four every time, that's a good recipe, no matter who the running back is for the Gophers. I thought Jordan Newman played phenomenal. I mean, the ability to press the hole, let blocks set up, see the field. Uh, outside zone, they were able to run it super effectively. Uh, did some cool things with formations as the game went on based on how Michigan State was playing them. You can read that over on the site. Uh, I thought the ground game execution was 
strong and you know that drive right before halftime was pivotal i mean to be able to go down the field and score a touchdown bat it on your own five uh, four really strong hits in the pass game uh they show a pressure look and bail out of it you get man-to-man coverage probably not the look minnesota was looking for specifically but daniel jackson runs a great route gets separation with a little hesitation at the top of the route Ethan puts the ball to money I was arguably the best drive passing game wise all season at the end of the half there. We had accurate balls, sound execution, attacking the looks. Uh, Brevin Span Ford got involved in the first half of that game, hitting down the seam, getting a one on one with the linebacker. Um, you know, Minnesota in the second half, after that interception mistake, they just started pounding the rock. They wore them down. Those three, four yard carries started becoming seven, eight nine yard carries and then 25 yard carries and just slowly started to wear down Michigan state. It felt like there was a Spartan defensive lineman down just about every other play throughout that game. It was insane how many players were down on the field for Michigan state on defense. Uh, it felt like the game took forever to play because of that. For Kaliak Manis specifically, he had that early fumble, which I know he'd like to have back. He had a pretty bad interception, but overall the passing numbers, albeit against a defense that I think is largely suspect, especially in the passing game, fairly efficient, 14 to 22 for 200 yards. He had that big touchdown pass at the end of the first half, leading that 95 yard drive, which was primarily done in the passing game in an odd way, Daniel, I kind of liked where that drive set up because I think it forced the Gophers to pass more than they probably wanted to and maybe got Kaliak Manis in a little bit of a rhythm at the right point, which then in return actually helped the running game a little bit, even open up some bigger holes. Yeah. I mean, if you're able to pass the ball effectively, stretch the defense out a little bit, you know, there's some good pre-snap reads. You got an RPO where he makes a good decision and then he identifies a five-man box and gives it to Newbin to pick up the first down right near midfield. So there's some good, you know, pre-snap diagnosis going on, which is what you want to see from a young quarterback who's gaining experience. There's still bumps in the road. I mean, there's going to be highs and lows, and the development is continuing to grow as games go on. And Minnesota's got to figure some things out offensively still, just execution-wise. Like, it's been the name of the game. Like, if you go back this season and describe it with one adjective across all three phases it's execution and i feel like we say that every week about you know make the play here make the play there like in these close games here at the end of the season where you're going to need it like for example when you're playing uh illinois this week you know wisconsin purdue the three or four plays can dictate the outcome of some of these games where if you don't execute you don't do it right uh, you can end up losing the game because uh, I think Illinois out of a bye week, getting healthy, refocusing. Uh, this is a game where you can't make a whole bunch of mistakes and get behind early. Yeah, I think if you turn the ball over early against Illinois in the exact same fashion like you did against Michigan State or almost any other team in the Big Ten, except for maybe a few, you mm-hmm. probably don't win that game. So From a coaching standpoint, I think it's one of those wins where you're happy to get the win, but there's still a lot to coach. And Mm -hmm. I think we still see a lot of that inconsistency from the Gophers. At this point, five games left, or excuse me, four games left in the regular season. If you win three of four, mainly everybody you play outside of Ohio State, 
and you get a tiny bit of help, you will be Big Ten West champions. Help being you need Iowa to still lose at least one more time. Preferably a couple more times would be fun, but at least one more time. In the passing game specifically, Daniel, I mentioned Kaliak Manis, his 200 yards passing last Saturday against Michigan State. Well, again, 120 of those went to Daniel Jackson. So you're still talking about, well, rough math. Kaliak Manis has 1,123 passing yards this year, 507 of those to Daniel Jackson. So that's over 40%. Yeah, Daniel Jackson's been really good. He has been really good. And I'm not taking anything away from him. Right. But you still would like to see some other guy step up and catch some passes. Well, that's the challenge is I believe effective offensive play where you're efficient, you're able to spread the ball around to all your playmakers to create challenges for the defense, make them have to adjust to a variety of different skill sets and players that have different styles of play. That creates space in the passing game. When you create space in the passing game, you open up the box to be able to run the ball so you have a multi-dimensional offense. So, yeah, I mean, ideally you want to get everybody involved in, in the passing game, but I do think, like, it comes down to what's the defense giving you? What can your personnel handle? Uh, what can your quarterback handle? What can you put on his plate? Uh, there are a lot of internal variables here that, you know, we're, we don't know. We're not there day to day. We don't know what's going on around there. But uh, I will say this much based on, you know, Daniel Jackson's play. I mean, he's been unreal. Route running, getting separation, the details of his game, uh, catching the ball consistently. Like Daniel Jackson is, is is emerging as one of the better receivers in the Big Ten Conference. And that's a credit to Minnesota's development and his the work that he's put in to really hone in on the details, which I think was the challenge this offseason for Daniel as he moved forward uh, to just take his game to the next level. Saw a couple Michigan State fans with signs or even T-shirts hoping slash praying that Urban Meyer is their next head coach. Really? I'm not convinced it'll be Urban Meyer, but my question to you as it pertains to Michigan State is, where do they turn and where do you think they'll eventually settle or what type of head coach do you think they'll settle on? I could see a Jake Dickert at Washington state type of coach where you're out in no man's land right now, based on what's going on with realignment, uh, Wisconsin guy has played well against the big 10 teams can build a style of play that fits the conference. Well, a younger guy, uh, I'm keeping an eye on, on Dickert, but, Michigan State, based on their leadership, how they do things around there, I, I've learned to expect the unexpected, where it could be someone way out of left field. Another name I'd say is Elko uh, from Duke, potentially maybe wants to get over into the Big Ten. Uh, I think, you know, Narduzzi was a name that I heard for a while, but it sounds like maybe that's been backed off on based on how Pittsburgh's been playing. They're two and six right now. And, uh, you know, he was in the mix the first time, apparently, from what I've heard, uh, before Mel Tucker got that job. But it, it, we'll keep an eye on that. Maybe maybe Narduzzi gets back in it. Uh, but I would say, based on how they're playing, probably not. Another news item from around the Big Ten that mildly pertains to the Gophers and uh, former Interim athletic director at the University of Minnesota. I believe that was the title that they gave her. Beth Gatz is also now the interim athletic director. 
at the University of Iowa. They made the decision this week with a month left in the season. I think that will tell you the amount of doors that were being knocked on and the negative publicity and how much the athletic department was up against this Brian Ferentz thing. They made the decision to move on from Brian with a month left in the season. He's going to coach out the year and I believe into the bowl game, but kind of odd. I know we were eventually headed this way anyways, but the amount of pressure the Iowa athletic department must have been under to make this move and announce it with a month left in the season is incredible. And also kind of incredible that Beth Getz has now been the interim athletic director at two major big 10 universities. Well, the the deal is, is go, go watch Kirk Ferentz press conference on that matter. I mean, he, he is, he's not happy. He's not happy. He tell you what he is. He is not happy about, how all that went down, especially that it happened in the middle of the season. But there's got to be some more to this story. In my opinion, there has got to be more to this story, even on top of the pressure that's been placed upon Iowa's administration to do something about this. I'm not convinced Kirk Ferentz will be back there next year. I really, he can say he wants to continue coaching and all this right now. How will these final four games go? If they perform poorly, A, is Beth, Beth Getz looking to make a change here? So she's like, hey, I'm making a coordinator change. I want to see how you know you respond, how everybody handles the situation, and maybe dictate a path forward. Or does Kirk just walk away? I mean, I know he was on his radio show the other night, and he basically backpedaled because he really wouldn't answer the question about whether he wanted to keep coaching. And he indicated maybe a couple more years, but I just – I, I don't know if, if with everything going on down there, they might be looking to make a fresh start as realignment happens and, and they try to get get ahead of that. Yeah, his press conference this week, he talked an awful lot, which I love these press conferences because people are going to ask questions, as you know, but you're so seldom yeah. going to get any any answers or real answers. He must have said 10 times in a, in response to five different questions that, my only focus is on these next four games and the bowl game that comes after that, which when you start saying things like that, it makes me think that there is at least a chance that this will be it for you. Because but what I'm saying is I'm saying these last four games, could, could they lose all four of these? Like, I, I don't think that all f- these games are absolute lock wins for Iowa. You know what, though, House, it's a lot like the Big Ten West. You can make a case the Gophers should win three of their final four games. They could also lose all three of I those know, games, right? I know. Look at Iowa's schedule. They should win out and, and win the Big Ten West. But they could easily lose one, two, or three games and not. I said yesterday with Doogie, Daniel, if I had to pick sitting here today, I still believe Wisconsin will win the Big Ten West. Yeah, which, I which that means your schedule which then means I believe Wisconsin will likely beat Minnesota. And I I don't know if I'm ready to make that jump, but just logically, especially last week, watching them play Ohio state, they, they just look like the best of the average teams at this point. I I believe Wisconsin will have a slip up here at the end. Nebraska, Nebraska is a team to watch because uh, defensively that code is hard to crack. That scheme is tough. You, you, it's very, very different than what a lot of these teams see. You got to prepare for it. So I, I'm telling you, I'm not closing the door on the Huskers yet. I mean, no, it, they're it in the mix. Crazy, 
they they are right there, man. I mean, you look at their schedule. I mean, everybody talks about UW having an easy schedule. Michigan State on the road. They got Maryland. They're at Wisconsin. And then last game, they're hosting Iowa. They could win out in a scenario, and which would be beneficial for Minnesota because Minnesota, if they end up tied with Nebraska at the end of the year, Minnesota's got the tiebreaker because they beat them head-to-head. And they're playing teams like Iowa and Wisconsin, who you're going to be uh, battling with for the Big Ten West title. So I think Minnesota fans, you know, on the outside, I mean, they're 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 rooting for the Huskers right now. You could make a case right now looking around the Big Ten West that the only two teams that realistically don't probably have a chance to win the Big Ten West are the two teams with one win in the conference. That would be Purdue and Illinois, the Gophers' next two opponents. If the Gophers want any chance at winning the Big Ten West, you need to find a way to win these next two games. That starts with Brett Bielema and Illinois at, yes, a dentist's favorite time from Huntington Bank Stadium this upcoming Saturday at 2.30. PJ on Illinois and his budding relationship and friendship with the head coach at the University of Illinois, Brett Bielema from his press conference earlier this week. I got a ton of respect for him. He's a good friend of mine. Um, you know, he's won everywhere he's been. And, you know, especially when you look at Illinois and their team, they're really tough. They take over his personality and, you know, he's a really tough individual. Um, and you talk about their hard nose, tough. They're going to run the football. They're going to stop the run. Uh, their defense, it, it seems simplistic. It's very, very complicated. They got some of the best players in the league on their defense. And you can go across their front seven and 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 find probably two of the four, two of the best defensive linemen um, in the in the conference right there in Illinois. Proof that even in friendships, Daniel House opposites attract. Can you think of two more opposite personalities than Brett Bielema and PJ Fleck? Yet they both speak of this admiration for each other. I love see, it. Nothing see, brings people together like college football. Style of play wise and, and mentality standpoint, very similar. similar, similar personality types, totally different. So, yeah, I mean, Brett Bielema's uh, beat the Gophers nine times, 0 and 9. Yes, is against Brett Bielema. So, can the streak finally end? You broke the Iowa streak. Can you break the Brett Bielema drought that has plagued Minnesota for the longest time? I believe this is the best chance to do so, but I also think. The, the theme that I found when I went back and watched Illinois is first, I, I don't think people talk enough about the schedule draw that they had, all these Friday night games that they had to play early in the year. And then they had that short week to get ready to go to Kansas and play up offense. It's just, I mean, there's smoke and mirrors and misdirection and all, tons of stuff you got to get ready for. They had a tough draw with that. And then second, the turnovers and penalties this team has had. They're one of the bottom teams in penalties, uh, averaging like over almost seven a game. Penalty yardage are bottom 15 team in college football right now in that area. I said if Illinois wants a chance in this game, they got to commit four fewer penalties, one turnover or less, and they got to start fast. They're going to have to run the ball effectively. That's been the difference for this team offensively is everything that they do is built off that running game. They want to influence the second and third level, tie the run and pass together. Last year, they had the efficiency of Chase Brown, who's so elusive and dynamic. That has been the case this year. Fagan, the running back, uh, the big running back, like 6'3", 250 he's listed at on the scouting report uh, and the, on the depth chart. That's crazy. Got to be able to swarm to the ball, uh, wrap up. But 
defensively they haven't been as good just because pass rush, you know, hasn't lived up to expectations. That secondary is younger. They lost three really good players in Sidney Brown, Devin Witherspoon, and Quan Martin back there. And that's definitely hurt them. But I do think that the ultimate equalizer in this game will be turnover battle and penalties. We know Minnesota has been good in those areas up until last week where you had two turnovers right away and then five empty possessions to start the game. You cannot start that way against Illinois because if they get out to a good lead, every these two teams stylistically are not built to play, you know, climb it upward offensively. So whoever starts this game fast is going to gain an edge. Vegas believes the game will be close. Gophers favor by a point and a half. Our favorite ESPN matchup predictor gives the Gophers a 59% chance at winning. And if you care about the weather, which I do because I will be there right now calling for sunny skies and a daytime high of right around 45 degrees. So a pretty nice fall afternoon at Huntington Bank Stadium if that forecast holds. On the game specifically, you talked a little bit about it, but this just feels like a one possession game because I don't think either team stylistically, unless the other team is turning the ball over and one defense shows up more than the other, kind of feels impossible for a team to win this game by double digits or more, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of external factors like turnovers and penalties. Like you said, that's been the problem for Illinois throughout the season. I think they had nine penalties against Wisconsin for 79 yards. They didn't turn the ball over, though. They've been taking better care of the ball recently. So that'll be the biggest factor. And keep in mind, Johnny Newton, potential first-round draft pick defensive tackle, is out for the first half due to a targeting penalty that occurred in the Wisconsin game right before their bye week. So keep an eye on that development. Minnesota needs to certainly jump on that. It sounds like Keith Randolph, uh, his counterpart, uh, is going to play. He's been hurt. Reggie Love, a running back, who is going to be a big part of what they did this season, has been hurt as well, and he may return. So you're coming out of a bye week where people got healthy. Uh, their adjustments were made. I'm thinking there might be a little bit more design quarterback run. They dashed that in throughout uh, game plans this year. Uh Keep an eye on that and the scrambling ability of Altmaier. My goodness, like that guy can run all over. He is so athletic. Uh, Been under pressure for a lot of dropbacks, but he leads all Big Ten quarterbacks in scrambles and first downs converted via pressure. So maintaining rush lanes, retracing the rush is going to be very, very important for Minnesota's defense in this game. On Altmaier, I actually thought he would be much more of a difference maker, at least statistically, than he has been yeah. at, this, at this point. Ten touchdown passes, nine interceptions, over 1,600 passing yards. So that's not bad. I mean, there's a it's an outside chance he'll push 3,000 passing yards if Illinois is able to get to a bowl game. However, a loss this week would really hurt that. That would drop them to six losses. What has been the issue there? I mean, he showed some he showed some flashes at Ole Miss. So is this just getting used to a new system and there's been issues with the offensive line? Why is he not maybe taken that step yet that I think a lot of people thought or at least add a dynamic to Illinois that I think a lot of people thought he could add? I don't think he's been poor. Uh, there's been variables where offensive line play, not good enough, inconsistent. Uh, running game hasn't been there. Like I said, huge factor of that offense being able to influence uh, with the run, tying the run game 
together with a passing attack. That hasn't been there. Altmeyer loves to scramble. He's very dynamic at the second play. Receivers. The lack of separation from Illinois' receivers has been very apparent. The one guy who can get open running dynamic routes is Isaiah Williams, who feels like he's been at Illinois for like 20 years now. Uh, Pat Bryant of Washington, the two receivers there, it's like 26% of their total targets are contested. And so many contested balls, which tells you they're not getting separation. They have to make every play in traffic. So quarterback play hasn't been the sole problem. It's been offensive line. It's been system. It's been running the ball. It's been wide receivers. Like you go right down the list, penalties, uh, getting backed up because of penalties. I think they have like 12 false starts this year. Perplexing to me. I thought Illinois would play so much better this year. Easily one of the more disappointing teams, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country for me. I feel like this is a game that Illinois could easily win. But to your point earlier about Brett Bielema being being 9-0 and against the Gophers, the Gophers have a lot more to play for here than Illinois does. There's still a lot in front of the Gophers, more in front of them than Illinois. So if not now, when do they beat the University of Illinois? So I say the Gophers win. I don't know how or specifically why. To me, it feels like a 23-20, to 24-21 type of game. But I... I like the Gophers to find a way to get it done. I would not be shocked in the least if they do not. I'm never shocked by the quality of my Beans Coffee. Big shout out to Beans Coffee Company for supporting Minnesota Sports Chat. Hard to believe it. It is the holiday season. Daniel House, happy Honda days. Very Mara Toyotathon season to you. Make sure you check out coffeebybeans.com. Perfect gift for the coffee fanatic and drinker in your life. This is really great stuff. Small batch coffee brewed in Mankato, Minnesota. They'll ship it anywhere in the United States for free on all orders of $35 or more. Light roast, medium roast, dark roast, caffeine-free, cold brew. They have it all. Check out the website, coffeebybeans.com. That is coffeebybeans.com. Use the promo code SPORTSCHAT. You'll save a little bit of cash at checkout. Folks, honestly, this is just really darn good coffee. I love it. I drink it every morning. I'm drinking it right now as we record this edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Promo code SPORTSCHAT at coffeebybeans.com. Taking a look around the conference, Daniel House, not a ton jumps out to me. Maybe Maryland could be a little pesky with Penn State, but I never, ever, ever, ever believe in Maryland football. And we're starting to see why I don't as they've now stacked up the losses as much as they stacked up the wins earlier. Iowa at Northwestern could be kind of fun because of the Wrigley Field element and neither team can score a ton unless Northwestern's playing Minnesota, but we'll leave that there. Other than that, just kind of a blah day in the Big Ten, maybe Indiana could jump up and surprise Wisconsin. I, I don't know, but when you look around the schedule, Daniel, for as much as I don't love another 230 start for the University of Minnesota, it makes sense because there's just really no marquee games this week. I feel the matchups are all concentrated into this month of November, like the middle and back half, because the slate of games from like the end of October here to the early stages in November, the matchups just haven't been very intriguing and that's done by design they want they want all the hype and buzz coming right when all the division races are going on i want to see 
how this whole Michigan sign stealing thing plays out. You know, ESPN reporting the coaches had a meeting that, you know, they were very passionate about, you know, stepping in and trying to do something here. Like, is is there a point where the Big Ten Conference goes, Michigan, you're not you're not playing in the Big Ten title. Like, does it get to that point as more information comes out on this matter? Like, that's what I'm watching for down the stretch here. How what more comes out on this thing and how does it potentially impact uh, the back half of the season here? The Michigan thing is interesting because I stumbled into the college football playoff reveal. They did the first first one, I think. Was it the first yep. one this week? Yeah. yeah, it's the first one. So I stumbled into that, and I, I typically don't give that much of a time of day because it's going to change so many times between now and, and bowl season. But if you are going to watch one, I guess the first one's kind of important because it kind of lets you know where teams are at and what they're maybe up against if they want to move in to the top four. But the committee chairman basically said the sign stealing issue, we don't, he didn't necessarily say we don't care about it, but he said it's an NCAA issue. It's not our issue. So, yeah. and you know, we all know the college football playoff, they always take a stand, don't they? They're, they're, they're always on the forefront of taking a stand, but I don't know. I mean, if you have the committee saying, look, it's not our issue. Well, I don't know. Is, is the conference going to say you can't, you can't go because the conference is going to want as many teams in the mix as possible. And if Michigan but, doesn't have a loss, are they going to pull Michigan out? But it's not like, it's not like there's not a viable team in the conference, like Ohio state, you know, that could potentially go in, in that case. But, you know, I think everybody associated with college football, they won't admit it, but they're hoping Ohio state wins in that last oh, game. Yeah. Against Michigan oh yeah. Because that takes a lot of pressure off, but I want to see how the conference reacts to this. I, I feel like maybe the conference was a little bit surprised by the reaction that they're getting from the coaches and the people around the Big Ten about this whole matter. And so what are what will they do? That that is what I want to see in the next couple of weeks here as more stuff swirls around. Um what does that do to the to the Big Ten race at the end of the season? Is there any implication, or do they just stand pat and wait till the end of the year? There are some mildly intriguing matchups around college football. Notre Dame and Clemson could be watchable. You also look at Missouri at Georgia. Missouri can score a ton of points, but they really can't stop anybody. But that could be a little bit of fun between the hedges. Also one of my favorite rivalries. I love state versus state rivalries, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, always kind of fun to watch. Well, mainly because you just got beautiful uniforms all across the field for the most part. So there are some watchable games this week and and Washington taking on USC Washington right now on the outside, looking in of the college football playoff. They have not played extraordinarily well the last few weeks, but they'll have a chance to maybe write that chip a little bit against USC. Caleb Williams also will have a chance to, maybe get back on Heisman pace, although I think he's fallen pretty far off in Alabama and LSU. So there are some games worth note, worth of note, just maybe not in the Big Ten this weekend. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on a couple of games, really zoning in on Washington, USC. I want to see what is the line for that game right now. Uh, Washington's three. I'm surprised that Washington's three. I, I think that USC's might be able to run the ball on Washington's defense. That's what I've been watching. Like Washington's run defense is a, is a liability. And I think that's going to hurt them in a game eventually here where someone's able to outscore them and they get into a slugfest. 
where it's just a shootout. This could be that type of game. Uh, if I was in Vegas, I'd definitely be throwing some money on uh, USC plus three. The two and seven Hawaii Rainbow Warriors are at the now suddenly surging two and six Nevada Wolfpack and soon to be oh, go for God. football opponent. Nevada has now won two in a row after I believe losing 16 or 17 in a row. I'm sure you'll be glued to that one on CBS Sports Network the third. That there needs to be a bowl game every year where like the worst teams play each other. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Just just make this bowl game where we get to watch the worst teams duke it out for just for a some big ra- some wretched one and eleven versus zero and twelve team. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Hey, house. What else is at GophersGuru.com? The masses should know about well, in closing. There's a big breakdown on the run game. What they're able to do to gain edge versus Michigan State. Uh, previews coming of the matchup between Minnesota and Illinois. Everything that you need to know. Five dollars a month gets you access to the content. Gophersguru.com. You're the best. Uh, this time next week, we will preview and review. Well, we'll review Gophers in Illinois. We'll preview Gophers at West Lafayette and the Purdue Boilermakers. How'd our boy do last night? Kent State was playing. Did he did he notch a win? Oh man, Kenny, I felt so bad, man. That, no, uh, they didn't Akron, get it done. Akron came back. They were down 17 in the fourth quarter, came back. Largest oh. comeback win for uh, Akron since 2018. Oh no. Uh what Bowden was coaching there? Uh, Terry? Was that Terry Bowden years yep. ago? Oh god. He's I, not I, there I, now, but that was Terry Bowden, wasn't it? I, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> Terry Bowden would be proud if that's who it was. Daniel, I'm always proud of you. Thank you, my man. Thanks for having me. That is Daniel House at Daniel House MN on the X Machine. Founder, president, CEO, Grand Pooba of GophersGuru.com. Sign up right now for all that amazing Gopher Sports content. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening to this edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Please rate and review kindly. We'll talk again next week.